Welcome to the Unconventional Leadership Podcast, a weekly podcast where we dive into the latest leadership news, tips, and strategies. I'm your host, Mike Sipple Jr., co-founder and the CEO of the Talent Magnet Institute, best-selling author, speaker, and podcaster. The Unconventional Leadership Podcast boldly tackles the top-of-mind issues leaders face daily. Through insightful interviews with experts from various industries and backgrounds, we unpack the skills, traits, and mindsets crucial for effective leadership in today's world. Whether you're a seasoned leader seeking to stay ahead of the curve or aspiring to develop the skills and insights to succeed, the Unconventional Leadership Podcast has something for you. Join us each week as we challenge the status quo and explore what it means to be an unconventional leader. Well, welcome everyone. I'm extremely excited to be here in the studio with you today. I'm hoping you're looking forward to a great conversation with myself and Mark James, founder and president of Higher Consulting Services, executive career transition coach, executive search recruiter. Mark and I have known each other for over 20 years. And he's certainly a leader that I'm very thankful it's in my life and in my career. And I get the pleasure to work with in today's work that we do through the Talent Magnet Institute and the work that he's doing at Higher Consulting Services. So, Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. Ah, you're welcome, Mike. Good to be with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mark, you've kept me busy the last few years with some books that you've written. And I know we wanted to unpack as we're un- it was sharing skills, tools, resources, learnings that individuals can take in as they're looking for ways to develop themselves to be an unconventional leader in today's world. I'd like to talk a little bit about your book, The Interview Mindset, The Ultimate Guide to Mastering Your Career. So Mark, can you share with me just a a little bit and unpack for the audience what this book is all about? Yes. You know, the whole concept of the book is about interviewing and excelling during the interview to eliminate the competition. And I I put together, I don't know, about 13 chapters in the book with the final two talking about the interview mindsets that I've been coaching for years. And many of the mindsets, for instance, you pretend you're the doctor and the hiring manager is the patient. Your goal is to determine where is the pain, what's not working, what are the objectives for the person that gets the job that he or she needs to do. And very much like a doctor, when you're sick, a doctor has to ask very compelling questions in order to determine what's wrong and how to provide a remedy, right? So that is one of the six different interview mindsets that I, I've, I've used for coaching. And I put it in the book, which has been doing really well, and I'm very proud of it. Mark, do you find, I mean, as we, un- yes, individuals interview when they're looking for their next career step. They also interview or engage when they're, you know, selling product, marketing a solution, presenting to an audience. Do you find there's a lot of transferable skills of the literal leadership skills you're trying to develop and career development skills that you're putting into the audience? Exactly. I mean, you know, the interview is more than just for a job. You've got consulting, you've got fractional management, interim management, people that are currently providing services to companies. When they initiate those conversations, 
you know, we're all on stage in one way or another. And the leadership that prevails is, you know, we call it thought leadership or critical subject matter expertise. These things bubble up based on years of experience and wisdom as each individual starts to grow in their career. And, you know, I have a chapter in my book called Plan B is the New Plan A, which, you know, many people, they reach a crossroad in their career and over time, they decide, you know, it'd be great for me to not work for a company, but to be a consultant or some form of entrepreneurial endeavor that people gravitate towards for that extra freedom and flexibility in their career. And they become a thought leader based on what they've done throughout their career. And that's the kind of service that they monetize and deliver. But they're always going to be interviewing with new potential customers and clients in order to earn the trust and and create that relationship to provide you know the services that they deliver so it, it's a constant ebb and flow of of selling or marketing yourself and it's the exact same thing in a job interview which i correlate in my book yeah yeah i mean the the power of conversation and interviewing and really understanding the behaviors, the sequences, the goals, the objectives, which is a lot of what you're training individuals to do with the interview mindset that always be thinking about this. I know you provide a lot of questions in your book that almost become like a like a, a guide, yep. Sherpa, to walk alongside of you that I'm using the mindset in everything I do in my career Right. Uh, to think about how they're looking at what success means and how can I understand it so I can communicate and remove barriers to help them see that I'm the right fit, whether it's my service, the products that we're designing, or myself, and I'm looking for a career. Can you share a little bit about some? what are some of the key takeaways that you've heard from your listening audience that have said, wow, Mike, or Mark, this is profound mm -hmm. and helped me do X, Y, and Z? Well, one of the things that I believe is in short supply, and take this the right way, but one of my newest interview mindset is mindset number six, and it's called, you know, ethics, integrity, and honesty. And I believe that everything we do has is it's imperative that we use honesty, ethics, and integrity in the way we deliver services and deal with customers on a daily basis. And I, I like I mentioned, I think somewhat short supply in, in today's economy. And I believe that that these three characteristics or attributes, the, the if you're not able to exude these these three critical characteristics, I believe that it 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 will it will not work in the long run. You know, certainly expect that. But it, it, you know, if I if I ask somebody, so what are your three greatest characteristics? If somebody says honesty, ethics, and integrity, that's a home run. I I'm looking for people to volunteer that without having to even be asked, and because it makes me believe them and trust them that much more so that the relationship can really start to, to flourish and bloom. And you're recommending individuals share that as a part of their messaging to connect. Absolutely. With the, it, yeah. it, 
it's the hallmark for what we do, Mike, you and I, and everything that our companies do. It's a it's a it's a reflection on on those three hallmark characteristics. Yeah. Have you so talking through examples? Do you have a couple of examples of individuals that you've coached in their transition that have been planning to make a change and possibly including plan B as the new plan A and what that might look like? Yeah, I've had a, a couple of clients recently that have taken the plunge and they've decided that they're they're 100% committed to not being in a corporate environment any any longer and that they're right now as a CFO one of my clients who's a expert financial executive he's decided that he wants to sell or market himself as a consultant almost like a virtual finance director for small to medium sized companies and you know the key is is what is your hourly rate or what kind of a retainer? And you've got to plan all this out. You have to have your messaging down. You know, people say, what do you do for a living in the backyard barbecue? You've got to have multiple types of sound bites that people would get and understand quickly. And, you know, you're not looking to solicit. You're just explaining or you're not selling, you're telling you know, exactly what the answer is that they're hoping or or, or eliciting a question to let you know that you are talking to somebody that could very well be a referral, referring party. And, and building your business this way, you know, naturally and comfortably and, and being prepared is, is really a, a, a critical way for new entrepreneurs to be able to get themselves out there and, and build their business. So, Mark, you and I have spent our entire careers, part of it is I've learned from watching leaders like you lead so authentically, knowing that every individual human that you're interacting with could be a new friend, a new connection, a new customer, a new referral source, a new strategic alliance. That right there is an unconventional skill that we don't, you don't necessarily learn in a classroom environment, you're taught it by mentors. So who, if you think back through some examples, where were you able to learn that type of skill and how have you continued to hone it throughout your leadership? Well, it goes back to my parents, you know, my, my father, my mother, they're big communicators. You know, I come from a big family, lots of grandchildren and great grandchildren. And, you know, we are not the hardest people to communicate with. <laughs> we we all have at least an A personality, and you know, getting along with people. I, I believe it's not all about just talking, but you know, I always say that entrepreneurs they have a gift of of being able to strike up communication and talking. And then there's another side of it is that people who are extroverted can almost intimidate or, you know, over talk, and they need to learn how to control themselves. Mm -hmm. Whereas because introverted people need to be able to push themselves, you know, they won't talk unless they're asked a question, in some cases. So I believe that, you know, 93% of all communication is nonverbal. And a big part of that is listening. 
and asking questions to get people talking who are shy and you learn about them and it's a sign of respect and uh, you know it's 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 flattering for them to know that you're really paying attention mm-hmm. and i just believe that you know striking out relationships with people it's a two-way street you know you want to be memorable not forgettable when you're introducing yourself but you're also asking compelling questions to get the other person talking about who they are and what they do and then of course how i or how you can help them right because you know they want to be helped and you know the eight little words is there anything i can do for you opens a lot of doors yeah absolutely Absolutely. And have you found that carrying that kind of genuine interest for others and their needs has played well for you and your career? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, act as if it's the only thing, but you've got to have donation and commitment and and be adaptable and resourceful. If if you offer someone help, you know, the follow-up, I think is is one thing that's very difficult for people is they they say oh yeah I'll, I'll stay in touch with you and then you never hear from them again and you know I make it a point that you know when everybody I I have a conversation with I always want to try to have a call to action or a reminder before we finish talking when's the next time we should hook up and and, and revisit and and uh, talk about the subject that we were, or if I've given them a, a introduction referral, I would like to know in return, hey, let's talk about that after you've reached out to that person I've introduced you to. I'd like to hear how things went, right? So the follow-up is also a, a nice gesture to be able to uh, follow up, follow through, and make sure that they're they're not just forgotten, right? And and that sign of respect, I think, goes a long way to making the relationship stronger. Mark, I know in in your experience and our experience, my experience, you and I share the fact of what you just said that those that are intentional about long-term follow-up, follow through, relational development. I mean, how many times have you and I both received a call from someone that we haven't heard from four and a half years and they say they desperately need our help. Right. right. And you think, well, that's nice. And yeah. I appreciate that. However, I haven't heard from you in four and a half years. So like we got to start, we got to start a little bit further back before we get to this point. But how yeah. can one manage their relational development, their network, right? It's all about yeah. like high quality network development, relational development, supporting you know, what do you recommend to individuals well, you coach? And Yeah, I think, you know, everybody talks about the 80-20 principle, right? 80% of your good relationships will come from 20% of the people, right? Yeah. So you really need to pay attention to the top 20%, right? That's the key. Mike, you're in my top 20%. I've got what I call my career board of advisors. Mm-hmm. And that probably is up to about 15, 16 people right now. And they know who they are because we communicate regularly mm-hmm. and we can pick up a conversation, you know, even if it was a month ago, we can pick up right where we left off and 
and it's a very natural type of communication. The 80% sometimes doesn't get the attention. And I know we just were referring to that as the people that sometimes don't reach out when they should, and they know that someday they're going to need to keep or have that relationship working. But years go by and you know, all of a sudden I need something and I know that Mark or Mike could help me um, and it becomes a little too self-serving. And I, I I caution people that if if you're going to do that, you need to do more than just once every four years. You're going to need to keep in contact with the people who you believe are very connected, who are professional, who definitely can help you. But you have to make it a two-way street instead of that, you know, I'm only going to call you when I need your help. That's kind of, it's it's not a good thing. So. Right, right. So you talk about ROE, return yeah. on expectations. I think it's something that's very intriguing. It stands out. It's memorable. Can you unpack that for those joining us today? You know, when you're in business for yourself, everybody's first question is how much is this going to cost me? Right. And, you know, they're thinking ROI, return on investment. I, I think it's a mistake or it's an oversight, if you will. I think people need to kind of think, what will the outcome be? How are we going to get there? What are the steps that we're going to take so that I could make a good decision? Mm. And it can't all be about the money. It's about meeting expectations. Mm. And I came up with this idea because somebody would, you know, a rare instance where one of the clients gets it and says, so if we were to work together for six to 12 months, what's that going to look like when we get towards the end of, 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 the, of the engagement? And I've said, you know, that's a brilliant question. And I commend you for that because we are going to create a plan and set stages and milestones to get to where we're going, whatever it is you're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not just about finding a new job, but you know, handling a major initiative with a client company that you know involves a lot of moving parts. What's that going to look like when we get towards the end and finish it? What's the success factor? And how long is this going to take? Setting expectations, meeting different goals along the way. And if you you start, I hate, you know, poor Stephen Covey, rest in peace. But his second habit of, you know, seven habits of highly effective, successful people was start with the end in mind. And I mean, brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. And, and we we forget about that. So I kind of came up with this idea of of ROE, return on expectations. Let's start with the end in mind. Mm. So good, so good. And it's, I mean, it it's a a different way to frame it up. It's what we all know, according to the Seven Habits, that's still to this day one of the most successful books of all time. My mind is blown every time <laughs> I even think about the Seven Habits because. It's so revolutionary, but ageless, you know? Yes. Awesome. Well, Mark, can you share with me when you hear the phrase unconventional leader, what does that, 
how does that make you feel? What does that make you think? Can you share that with the group? You know, just two words come into my head when I think of unconventional in, in the form of leadership is the two words are I care. I don't know. I mean, if people trust you, you can just take the word sales and throw it out and, and replace it with the word trust. But how do you instill trust, right? People need to know that if something goes wrong, you're going to be there to help correct whatever's wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what two words imply that you're going to be there? I care. I care what happens. I'm involved. I'm invested. There's ROE involved and we have a handshake and an agreement or we're good friends and we trust each other mm -hmm. or we are client and service provider and there's mutual trust and belief. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think it comes down to I care. And I love your mindset number six of honesty, ethics, and integrity Yeah, further emphasizes that you not only say you care, but you back it up and you need to view those three things as key and critical skills to your own self as a leader, right? Yeah. That, you know, to your point, if people know that you care and you've cared so much, you've helped them get to where they are and you've been someone that I could rely on that when you said it, you delivered it. You delivered on the return on expectations. So much of that is defined by honesty, ethics, and integrity in mindset six. Hmm. Yeah, okay. the, the other mindset that I'm very fond of is act like a consultant instead of somebody who is in need of something. You're seeking problems or messes that you're looking for to help alleviate or clean up. Mm. And, you know, that's what we do. I mean, they say a true entrepreneur, the ideal mindset of an entrepreneur is that we provide solutions to people in need, mm. right? And then the risk factor of being an entrepreneur is, you know, can you survive? Can you make a living and 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 be successful right and that's part of the plan b is the new plan a where i'll throw some statistics 69 percent of the companies in united states have 100 employees or less mm. so the backbone of of the of the economy in the united states is small business yeah. right i mean in san diego it's 80 percent of the companies in san diego probably have less than 75 or even 50 employees. Hmm. So this is a damn small company town. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it flourishes with new ideas and startups and, and, and what makes the world go round is relationships, which, which saves the day. And the genuine trust that goes into those relationships will allow that company and the company customer client for that relationship to be successful and businesses, you know, get along. It's, it's, it's the lifeblood of any businesses right now is relational information and networking and connectivity. Yeah. Awesome. Mark, what's the best piece of leadership advice that you've received? 
Um, I won't name names, but I one of my board of directors, career board of directors, is very successful. He's a coach. And I asked him one day, how did you get to this level of success in your own company? And he said, Mark, it's kind of stupid, simple, but it works for me. He says, I only do business with people I like. And I'm like, oh, where were you when I, you know, I mean, it's it's simple. Think about it. You only do business with people you like. If there's like, the like factor equals trust and respect, right? Yeah. So if you seek out those kinds of relationships, it's that much easier to do business. Leadership follows in suit. And then you work on the ROE, you put it all together and you've got a very successful engagement with whoever you're working with, right? Absolutely. So Mark, I know writing is a labor of love, right? Those of us that have written books or participated in books, what what was your vision, hope, and goal of the two books that you've written to date? Well, my, my journey has been interesting because I originally was in Fortune 500, 100 company sales, director level, VP level. And I kind of got a little disenchanted with corporate merry-go-round and you know, they made it, they made it easy for me. One year, one year I got laid off back in 96 with a mortgage and a four-year-old daughter and a, and a, and a wife who wasn't working. And, you know, I came to the realization that, you know, maybe that entrepreneurial bug is starting to bite me. And I, I made the commitment to start my own company. And I, I, I had a lot to say, and I learned a lot along the way, and I became what I think is, I believe, a very good career transition coach and a recruiter. And I had a lot to say, so I figured one day I'll start a blog, which I did in 2006. Yeah. And I must have, I don't know how many blog postings I've made. It's in the hundreds, well into the hundreds, close to three, four hundred. And I started to realize that I have a great collection of information. And I thought, well, I'm going to write a book. And so back in 2017, um, I determined I was determined to write a new book. And that was called Keys to the C-Suite. And that's Unlock the Doors to Executive Career Path Success. And then, you know, it's like having a, a dog. you got to have another dog to keep that dog company when you leave home or they chew up the furniture, right? <laughs> so yeah. I figured, well, I better write another book just so I'm not a one trick pony. There you and go. This, the second book, The Interview Mindset, it, it was it, it was like the most natural thing that I've ever done because it just flowed. And mm. I really had a lot of fun doing it. The first one was a labor of love. The second one was just like a natural type of of transition for me and and everything flowed and I've got the chapters that I wanted to get in the book and some of the material that didn't make it in the first. I wanted to make a difference in the in the job seeker world where people were struggling and that's my call, that's my mission and I love what I do. Awesome. Awesome. Well Mark, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Unconventional Leadership Podcast. It's an honor to call you friend, partner. Ditto. 
coach, you know, it's been a real pleasure. And I, I know the insights that you've instilled and provided in me, the energy that you've given me throughout my career. My hope is that those listening today, you check out Mark's work. You listen to this episode, take your own notes, identify within your commitments throughout all of the relationships that you have, how can you leverage ROE in a much more unique and intentional way? Mark, thank you again for being with us. You're welcome, Mike. It's a pleasure. I love you like a brother. Thank you for listening to the Unconventional Leadership Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and inspiration from today's episode. We invite you to join us on this journey of exploration and discovery as we continue to uncover the unconventional approaches and strategies that are shaping the future of leadership. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Unconventional Leadership Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Being an unconventional leader means embracing new ideas and strategies to drive growth and innovation. So keep pushing the boundaries and challenging the status quo. And we'll see you next time on the Unconventional Leadership Podcast.